chapter 33 and verse 12. My goodness, if you had that as a prophecy about your life, you know, that's not very much, is it? It says you'll raven as a wolf and, and devour the prey, and, and at night he shall divide the spoil. But then there's a, another prophecy, and this is Moses uh, prophesying over the children of Israel. And he said, of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. And the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. What a difference in prophecies. Yes. Talking about the same tribe, the same family of people, but there's a complete difference from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And so I want to look at that, and maybe we'll take more than one service. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be here tonight on a Wednesday night. Lord, I pray that you just come and meet us here, Lord. How we need your help. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it on our own. We need you, Lord. And so we pray that you would come and that you would just take over this service, Lord. The thoughts that I had, Lord. And, and I know maybe the people look at it and think, what, where's he going? But Lord, I, I pray that you would just help me, Lord, to say the things you would have me to say. And to walk, Lord, right, right in the places I need to walk in. And Lord, to stay away from the places I need to stay away from. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. We, we want to be more like you. We didn't come to church just to hear a man. We come to hear the word of God. And so we ask you to come express yourself by your word here tonight, Lord. And we thank you for your presence that we've already felt here in the service. Lord, during the songs, we pray you'd continue to be with us. We pray and we ask it. We pray, especially for Nathaniel tonight, Lord, that you'd heal his body. Lord, and we think of these other needs. I know there's many other needs and requests that have been made over the last few weeks. I pray you'd bless them, heal them, Lord. Bless them in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this evening. Whatever you are naturally today is a result of two things. It's the nature passed to you from your parents and the environment or nurture that you were raised in. Brother Branham tells the story of, of a family that had five sons and uh, their sons, excuse me for speaking slowly, I've got a little a bit of a problem with my voice tonight, but he had five sons and or they had five sons and there was a picture on their wall of a ship, a sailing ship on a smooth sea. And they found out that every one of these sons had a desire to go to the Navy. Every one of them went into the Navy or the Marines. And so they investigated and they found that that was the only thing in the family, the only reason why was that they went to bed every night and woke up every morning looking at this picture of a Navy ship. And so it wasn't their genes necessarily, their father, or their grandfather, no one in their family had been a sailor. But it was the environment that they were raised in that actually caused them to, uh, to want to sail a ship. And so those things matter, you know, and if it matters, just uh, as an example, uh, just how a room is or what pictures are there, uh, then the things we see and, and especially the way we present ourselves in front of our children matters to our children. And yet much of what we, uh, what we are also comes from our parents. And and so if your parents are here tonight or, or, or your parents are alive, you can look back and you can say, well, uh, I'm, I'm a result of you guys. And, and so you can kind of blame some of that on them. And yet it goes back even further than that because it goes back to your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-grandparents and goes all the way back to Adam because ultimately the nature, the sin nature that we have 
comes from Adam all the way back. Right. right? And so now it's been passed on to us and it's, the blood's been mixed up and all those things have happened. And so now, so now we're born into this world. Now it matters. Everything matters. The place you were born, the environment you were born in, even the sign in the heavens that you were born under, all of those things matter as to what you're going to be in life. You're going to become something in life. And Danny Ward becoming what he is today is a result of all the genes that have passed on, the nature that he has, and then also the way that he's been raised. And that's why you find such a difference many times in between siblings, in between people, because that gene will express itself in a different way. And then many times they go different paths, and so you find out later on in life that they took a very different road, but maybe even had the same basic genes, the same basic set of wants and desires, but yet they took a completely different road. Why? Because something happened that they, they took the narrow road, as, as the poet said, and that made all the difference. So the nature that we have comes from Adam, and in Adam all die. How many know that today? There's no exceptions. In Adam all die. But in Christ, all are made alive, the yes. Bible says. But in Adam, all die. And there's no remedy for this body of death outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, which we know is the life of the blood, the Holy Ghost, the token that comes in and changes our lives. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So now that is what it takes to change our lives. We don't treat sin with psychology, yeah. right? It's not a treatment for sin, although psychologists can do many things as far as making someone feel better about themselves, can talk them through things, but that's not how we treat sin. We don't treat sin by counseling it out of people, yeah. sure. right? We treat sin with the new birth, right? And that takes care of the sin problem, and yet you still have a body that has to be sanctified. Right. And that's going to be going on for the rest of your life. So now we do, we do retain a sticky nature on the, on the outside that we must constantly keep under guard and yield our members to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I keep under my body. The idea, the picture that he's painting is of a boxer with his fist cocked and he's waiting. He's waiting and standing over a, a, another boxer that's gone down, but he's wanting to make sure he's down for good. And so he stands there and watches over it. He's vigilant. He doesn't leave so that he makes sure that he wins. That's the way you and I have to be. We've got to keep under our body, bring it into subjection. Yep. By any means, he said, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That doesn't mean that he would lose his salvation. It means he would be disapproved by God. Right. That he would not, oh my, I tell you what, I don't want to be in the, in, in, oh, get over there and realize that all my, all my life's work had been thrown away. And so, so I, you want to keep yourself right. You want to keep under your body. It's not just about making it into heaven, but it's about bringing as many others in as we can as well. Right. Yeah. So in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, he tells us how to do that. He said, cast down imaginations. And, and we've talked about this many times, but every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. Oh, what a people we could be. Brother Caleb, if we could take every thought that we think, every thought of disappointment, every thought of denial, every thought of, of unbelief, and we could bring that into captivity and say the Word says something different. Yeah, sure. I, my thoughts may tell me that I'm not going to make it, but the Word says I am. 
My thoughts may tell me that everything's going wrong, but the Word says that there's a bride without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. So you bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, Brother Branham taught us, and I'm laying a wide foundation here because I'm not going to finish this tonight, and, and we'll, get, uh, we'll get into it at a, a different date. But Brother Branham taught that we're an outward man, which is controlled by five senses, and an inward man, controlled by one sense, which is faith. And so there's actually five senses of the, of the outside man, and then there's five senses of the spirit. The inside of that is a soul. And so inside of that is, is a sense that is faith. And Brother Branham teaches us that one is contrary to the other. He said, and as long as the five senses agree with faith, wonderful. But when the five senses disagree, we should leave the five senses alone. Right? right? And, and so that, that nature, that nurture that we are, we should always agree with that inside man. So and here he puts it this way. He said, now, for instance, Jesus made a statement, a promise. The inside man says that's true. What promise did he make to you? Right. He said your children would make it. All right. Yeah, sure. Right? And the inside man said it's true. Yes, sir. Right? It's just one example. But many examples. He said, he said you can claim your children. The inside man says that's true. That's nothing but the truth. But the outside man reasons that it can't be true to you. Right? Yes, sir. Right? He said, then ignore the outside man and accept the inside man. Yeah. He said, now that's the same thing that Paul is speaking of. He was sold under, under the law to carnal sin. Every one of us is the same. Yeah. He said, that's the reason we have the troubles we do. I'm married four or five times and all kinds of sin and adulteries and everything else along in our lives is because of those things. Sure. Yeah. I, that's because of the outside man. We are carnal. and That part must perish, but then inside. You're a spirit man. See, your spirit man never did anything wrong. As far as the soul is concerned, you understand? That, that inner man, he never did sin. Yeah. And he never will sin. But you can mess up out here. That inner man was born of, it would come from God, it's going back to God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we've been born again by the Spirit of God. He said, We are carnal. He said, And that part must perish, but then inside we are a spirit man, soul inside. He said, And that's faith in God's Word. He said, then we bring our outside body under subjection to the word by faith by accepting what God said. Right? God said, I'm going to make it. God said, my children are going to make it, going to be there. He didn't say how they'd be there. He just said that you could claim them. Right? God said that. God said, I have my healing. Amen. He said, I'm saved. I come by his provided way. He said it. And so no matter what the outside man says, I agree with the inner man because the inner man agrees with God's word. So now he said, how can I take a cucklebur and make a grain of wheat out of it? It's impossible for me to do it. He said the only way it can be is because inside that cucklebur has been transmitted from a cucklebur to a germ called wheat life. Now notice on the inside, it's been transmitted. In the inside, it's been changed. He said, then you bury that cucklebur, and it'll produce a grain of wheat because there's been a life of wheat put in the cucklebur. Amen. Amen. And the life of the cucklebur has been taken out, but the nature of the cucklebur is still sticky. And it will be until this new life has fully been developed out of the ground and raised up again. So there will come a day, Brother Joe, no more sticky nature. 
There will come a day we don't have to worry about hurting nobody's feelings or our feelings being hurt. There will. Oh, praise God. I'm so looking forward to that day. Aren't you, Brother Joel? Yeah. Aren't you looking forward to the day when nobody can hurt your feelings and you can't hurt nobody else's feelings? Aren't you looking forward to the day when everything you say will be true? Yeah. Are you with me now? You can't lie. You can't steal. You can't do anything. Not that you would do that now because the inside man controls the outside man. But yet you say things sometimes that maybe you go back and say, oh, that, I didn't realize that wasn't the whole truth. And, and you say, and you, may, you make promises sometimes you can't keep, but there's yeah. coming a day you won't do that no more. That's right. Because when you leave this life, then that inside man takes over. Right. But now as long as we're in this life, that, inside, that outside man is still sticky. He said it's going to bother you. He said as long as you live. Yes, he said, but the inside of you, you're born again. And when you're raised up, you're in the likeness of Christ. And all the sin has gone from you. Yeah. Yeah. So just again, to lay this foundation tonight, there's, there is a reason for our behavior, but not an excuse. Right. Sure. right? So there is a reason why we do the things that we do, but it's not an excuse. Right. And we've got to commit ourselves to the word. Yeah. In such a way, and surrender ourselves to the Word in such a way that, Lord, if it's something that's written in the Bible, if it's something I shouldn't be doing, I know I shouldn't be doing, it may be my nature to hold things against people, but you said if I wouldn't forgive, you wouldn't forgive me. So I'm going to forgive anyway. It may be my nature to, to, to be angry and, and to walk around all the time with a temper like a buzzsaw. That may be my nature, but that's not what the Word says to do. The Word says to be live like peaceably with all men as much as you can. And so I'm going to follow the Word. Now, you can't do that just because you decide to do it, but you've got an inside man. And if you'll let him, he'll take control of the outside man. That's being born again. So, again, there's a reason for our behavior. It's not an excuse. The Bible says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Let, don't let it reign. You can't do nothing about it being there. Right? As far as this body being sin, it is. It is. That's why you get distracted in church. That's why you get, you get worried. You realize worry isn't of God. That's not of God at all. God has nothing to do with that. You didn't get that from God. You didn't get that. That's not because you're spiritual, just because you're, you're natural. You're carnal. But you don't have to let it rain. Yeah. Right. right? They don't have to have a scepter over you, holding it over you and keeping you down. Listen, what, we come, what comes through our genes does not have to keep us down. We're not bound to repeat the mistakes of past generations, but we can press forward. We can move on. We can go on into something better. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Doesn't that give you a freedom? You can say, Lord, I know I can, I can be better than that. Yes, sir. I can do better than that, not by my own merit, but because the word allows me to do it. Right. And the life that is in me is not the life of Benjamin Pruitt anymore, but the life that's in me is the life of Christ. Yes. So I can go from the ravening wolf nature to someone who's a protector of the throne of God. So now... Brother Branham likens it to the new heavens and new earth. He said, heavens and earth have met. God and man is reconciled. Restored Eden has begun. All the curse is gone. He said, just like all the curse of sin is gone when the Holy Ghost accepts you. He said, see, you don't accept it. Excuse me, it accepts you. 
because it's God's attribute. If it's the Holy Ghost, it means God's Spirit. Are you with me tonight? If it's the Holy Ghost, it means God's Spirit. It's the attribute. The thought of God has accepted you because you were ordained for that purpose. Yet you was born in sin. But God had that attribute. Amen. And here you expressed yourself here on earth. And he comes down and gets you. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, I just think it wasn't me at all. Look, and I thought it was me looking. I thought it was me struggling to get it. But it was him coming down to get me. I would, hey, man, I was his attribute. He come down to get me. He said, see, you're back here. Here's where you belong. Sin has lost its power. What, what power did it lose? The power to keep you back here. Yes. You belong over here. Hey, man. He said, that's right. The desire of sin is done, gone from your heart. When the Holy Ghost comes in, you are a restored person. And that doesn't mean you'll, ever, you'll never want to sin. But what it means when the desire of sin, as far as I can understand it, when the desire of sin is gone from your life, it means you never have to sin. Are you with me now? The excuses are gone. You don't have to sin because there's a desire there that was put there by God that wants to be right. Then if you sin, it's just because you let the devil in. Right? And, and we are capable of doing that, but we don't have to. What a freedom there is in that. The desire is gone. We don't want to live like that. Amen. And, but it's from the inside because many people will say, well, but, but I, my, my flesh wants to look at something that's wrong. My flesh wants to, of course it does. It's still unregenerated. Yeah. Right? But the, where's the desire coming from? Right. What, what, what's your strong desire? Brother Brown said, by your desire you can see who's on the throne of your heart. What is your strong desire? Is it to go to heaven? Amen. Yeah. I believe it is tonight. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. I believe you're in the house of God tonight because you got a desire, a strong yeah. desire inside of you that was stronger than your weaknesses, stronger than your desire to stay home, stronger than your desire to sit back in your easy chair and go to sleep. But it was stronger than that. There's a desire inside of you that yeah. wants God. Right. And because you, there's something inside of you that wants that, you don't ever have to give in to the flesh again. That's right. You might, but you don't have to. Yes. Right? Now... Brother Branham says you are a restored person. He said that's where the outside can reason. You take a man and say, well, you know, I, I know I'm not supposed to commit adultery, but you know when the Spirit, then the Spirit tells me I shouldn't commit adultery, but you see way down in there is still that thing in there. Yeah. He said, see, it'll kind of govern around, right? So it'll govern around what you know to do is right and do something wrong anyway. Yeah. Even though you know it's wrong, it'll govern around that because the inside man's not been changed. He said, but when it's directed from the inside, it throws all the rest of it together. He said, that's the guidepost. That's the control tower, the inside of the inside. The soul controls the spirit. The spirit controls the body. Aren't you glad there's something that you've got that controls? Yes. Hey, man, you're not, you're not being controlled, but you are actually in control even of your body. Now, look, and that goes to healing as well. Sure. We're not controlled by our sicknesses. We don't have to give in, amen, to the condition of our body because we know we have a healer. We're already healed, right? We, we were healed on Calvary. The stripes were there for our healing. And so because we know that, we don't have to give in to that anymore. 
And again, you'll have sickness, but you don't have to give in to it. You'll make mistakes, but you don't have to give in to those mistakes. Now, so that he said, when it's directed from the inside, it throws all the rest of it together. He said, look, when this body receives the Spirit of God, the immortal life inside of you, it throws this body in subjection to God. He said, he that's born of God does not commit sin. He cannot sin. He, said, he references Romans 8.1. There's therefore no, now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He said, there you are. See, that throws your body subject. You don't have to say, oh, if I could just quit drinking. If I could just, just get in Christ, it's all gone. Because your body is subject to the Spirit. It's no more subject to the things of the world. They're dead. They're dead. Your sins are buried in baptism. And you are a new creation in Christ. And your body becoming subject to the Spirit. Try to live a right kind of a life. Yeah. Right? And that's not, again, it's not by constantly reminding yourself, like, today I'm not going to do it. Today I'm not going to rob a bank. Right? Today I'm not going to rob a bank. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Right? The desire's gone. Yeah. Does that mean I'll never slip up on my taxes? Or be tempted to put something there that's not there? Right? Boy, it got quiet. <laughs> but the desire of sin is gone. I'm not going to go rob a bank. Right? I'm not going to purposely go even mislead the government, much as I would like to. Right? But, but in a moment of weakness, might I be caught up in something? Sure. I'll make it right. Yeah. Sure. Why? I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm a restored person. Yeah. Amen. I'm a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. And so he says, you're a new creation. He said, uh, your sins are buried in baptism. You're a new creation in Christ. In your body, becoming subject to the Spirit, try to live a right kind of life. But now in that, and again, trying to keep the balance of this, of this foundation so we can begin to look into the Scripture, you still have to overcome. Right. How many know that tonight? Amen. I got class participation because you're spread out kind of tonight all over the place. So I can't really see you without my glasses on, but... But, you know, we know uh, that, that we have to overcome. And Brother Brandon said he can't just push you through a pipe and pull you out the other end. You've got to overcome. Right. Yes, sir. Right. 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 And so Paul puts it this way. He said, this I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's what we have to do. So here we have this nature and nurture that's pulling us down. But here we have a new nature on the inside. We're a new creature in Christ. And that creates that war. Before there was no war. Because it was just whenever you wanted to do something bad, you just did it. Yeah. And now there's an, been an awakening of that seed. Now you have a desire to do the right thing. And the Holy Ghost, when it comes in there, becomes a control tower that controls you and keeps you doing the right thing. Yes. Amen. Right. And so now, uh, now you have that. But they didn't have that in the Old Testament. Yeah. You realize that all, even the greatest men in the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Yeah. Right? It could only anoint their spirit. But they could not have the life of Christ because Christ hadn't come and died yet. Right? So they did not have the Holy Ghost or the token as we know it today. Though they were influenced under the Holy Ghost and though they walked in faith and though they did great deeds and mighty miracles and things like that, yet you see a, a fluctuation, an in and out, a, a backsliding constantly. And, and it's, it's instructive for us to look back at what went on with them because we see how these uh, two realms on the outside actually work, yeah. right? Because you can look at a man like Joseph or Jacob or, 
or a man like uh, Abraham and think, my, there's a man who should have never done anything wrong. But look what, how they backslid, how they lied, how they did the things that they did. A man like David, how could David ever do that? Well, that's because there's just, there's no control tower on the inside. Are you with me now? But yet you see God still loved them. God they were still a man after God's own heart. But but you see they were walking in the flesh. Yes sir. And then they walk in the spirit for a while, but then they walk in the flesh because there was nothing there to hold them, to keep them. And, and Hebrews deals with that. We can go look at it. He said they, there was no sacrifice that could make the one coming to it perfect. Right. Right? There was nothing there that they could come back and once for all. But we do have that sacrifice. Yes. We have a high priest that's greater than Aaron. Aren't you glad for that? We have a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Had no beginning of days or ending of days. And our high priest is always there. And he's, John said, if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father. You, you, you can't sin in the eyes of God. Are you with me tonight? So now, as we look at this, I want to look at the tribe of Benjamin and, and, and this family, the broader family of Israel, of Jacob, but especially at the tribe of Benjamin, because it's an interesting study in extremes. There were famous Benjamites in the Old Testament, just a few. Ehud was one of them. He was the left-handed assassin in the book of Judges. You boys are going to go find that now. The left-handed assassin. He went in and killed a king. And uh, that, was, that was bringing uh, reigning over the Israelites or, or causing bringing the Israelites into bondage. And then there was Saul... Saul was, is a very interesting case, and we'll get to him at some point. Saul uh, is a fascinating man because of all the things he did right and all the things he did wrong. Right? And Brother Brown said he still made it. Yeah, sure. Right? And, but he's a fascinating man. Mordecai and Esther were Benjamites. And then Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, was a Benjamite. And those are the major uh, Benjamites in the Bible. Now, the prophecy we know had to come true that Jacob, when he prophesied, and, and actually these mothers would, would cry out. But it's interesting, Benjamin's name is not what Jacob prophesies over him. But Benjamin's name is actually a son of my right hand. I know that because that's my first name. And uh, it, it's not personal at all tonight, but it is interesting to me because my name is Benjamin. My son's name is Benjamin. But, uh, but yet there's a, uh, there, there's a prophecy that Jacob gives after his mother names him Benjamin, son of my right hand. And the second prophecy seems to go more with that. That first prophecy just calls him a ravening wolf. He's uncontrollable. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. And it has to do with how he was raised and the kind of family he was born in and the environment and things that he was around. And, and this is important. And I don't want to uh, bring any kind of guilt tonight because some of you have raised your children and, and some turned out better than others. And it, it just seems like you just... We live in a, in a fallen world, and, and any child is capable without the Holy Ghost. If they don't receive the Holy Ghost, they're capable of doing almost anything. And that's just the truth. And we've got to learn that, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't bring your, any less love for them. It's just the way that the human flesh is. But we need to get them in an atmosphere where they can get the Holy Ghost. We need to have them in an atmosphere where they can hear the Word. Yes, sir. Are you with me? That is something we can do. And we can set the right kind of example before them. Now, Benjamin was born of godly parents, but there was trouble in the home. Jacob and Rachel were sweethearts, but because polygamy was legal at the time and as payment for Jacob's shyster ways, because he had 
uh, he deceived people so many times. He got deceived. And Laban, his father-in-law, deceived him into marrying Leah first. That's, that's a fascinating story, isn't it? That he actually gets the wrong wife. And you can imagine the resentment that he must have had because he still loves Rachel so much. He's not just going to quit. But then he's got to, he gets to marry Rachel right after he marries Leah, but then he's got to work seven more years for her. You can imagine the resentment that that, you know, you come in every, you know, it's hard sometimes to go to work and you go to work and you sit there and and think, well, all I'm doing is paying bills. You know, I should have never got married, should have never had a family. I know none of you men have ever thought like that, but I have. You get to hard at work and you're, you're all stressed out and say, man, I can't believe I did this. You know, and I'd have been better off by myself, you know, and, and you forget about the joys of it. And I can imagine sometime during that seven years that, that he was really bummed out because now it had been almost 14 years. He couldn't go make his own life. He couldn't get away from his in-laws. He's stuck there. Finally, he sneaks away from them in the dead of night, <laughs> runs away because he, and, and, and he, he pulls another con and, and ends up leaving town. Jacob was quite a fellow. But now uh, here, he, he much, must have been such frustration. And when you have that kind of frustration towards the mom, it goes towards the children. Yes. Right? right? And, and on the other side, you've got another step. Thank God we don't believe in polygamy anymore. <laughs> these guys that want to restart that, my goodness, what in the world? Have you never read the Bible? <laughs> Every time there was fights in the home, we got enough trouble without more than one wife. And here there was, there was all kinds of trouble in the home and, and, and it just an extra set of resentment that he has because, listen, he never picked her. her fa- his father-in-law picked her for him. And, and so the Bible tells us that Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. It said Leah was tender-eyed. In other words, in, in that Old Testament parlance, her eyes were dull. She didn't have a... A, a good expression in her eyes. She was just kind of a, a plain person. But Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. It meant she was, she was beautiful in face and body. She was a beautiful woman. But Leah was not. You think Leah didn't know that? Leah's, Leah, and that's probably why Laban got her married off the way he did. You know you've you got a pretty bad case of it if, if your father is trying to get you married off secretly. Without the man knowing. But now, (laughs) come on, this is real life, church. Without the Holy Ghost, right? Remember that. We're talking about families without the Holy Ghost, right? And so there's a constant fuss going on in the home, and there's a a feeling. Jacob, even though he loves all of his children, I really believe that based on what we see in the Scripture, but he doesn't love Leah's children like he does Rachel's children. And so the Bible tells us that he went in also into Rachel and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. I mean, that's a pretty plain statement. He loved her more. And served with him yet seven other years. That was now he served for 14 years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Now, by showing favoritism in the home, Jacob is repeating a family mistake that goes back to his father Isaac. And he should have known better because his dad did the same thing to him. Right? 
But isn't it strange how we seem to pass on we could do the same things? Again, without the Holy Ghost, looking just at the flesh, the outside man, right? The Holy Ghost on the inside, but sometimes we still make mistakes, and many times we do. But here he makes a mistake of showing favoritism towards his, towards his other children, towards Rachel's children, and it caused them no end of trouble. And we'll get into more of this as we go along, and I'll show you how even Joseph was caused trouble because that, that he had that favoritism showed towards him, and it's how he ends up in a pit because the other brothers know that. Right, and, and so now the, these family genes are so strong that he is actually doing the same thing his father did even though he saw his father's mistake. The Bible tells us Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. That's a strange reason to love one child more than the other. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Yeah. See, it's difficult for fathers not to show favoritism towards talented children, right. especially if they're talented in the same way the father is. Right? Because you're going to do more things with them. Well, you didn't think this was going to go this way, did you? But we have to be careful with that because we can scar generations of children. Right? Because we're responsible for every one of our children, not just the ones we like. I say, well, I like all my children. Well... You say, but Brother Ben, we, we like that part about the we're a restored creature and all that. Yeah, but you're also an outside man. Amen. You understand? And this is inst instructive to us to understand how we should do and, and, and how we could, could, should continue to watch for these things in our, in our outer man. We're responsible for our children. Now, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Train means to dedicate, to dedicate. It's the idea of setting aside, narrowing, or hedging in. Now, if I wanted one of these children to go a certain, down a certain aisle in the church, what I would do is I would, I would stand in front of them, block their path in some way so that they would go down the other aisle, go down the aisle I wanted them to. And that's the idea is by, by looking at your children, by watching your children, by paying attention to your children, and you actually corral them or, or move them in the right direction in the way that they should go. Their way is their custom or their manner or behavior. The idea is according to their bent. And I've talked to you about that before. It's like going out in the forest and you see a tree that's bent a certain way. They would make a, a bow, maybe a, and for arrows, out of a... Of course, you would have make a bow for arrows, but a bow to shoot arrows with. They would make it out of a piece of wood that was already bent that way. And the reason for that is because you don't fight the bend of the wood. But yet you have to make the child live according to the Scripture. Right? And when I say make the child when they're very young, that's exactly what you have to do. Because they're not going to do it on their own. Right? Newsflash, right? Your children are not going to live right on their own without the Holy Ghost. They're just not going to do it. Most of the time. There may be outliers in that. There's exceptions to every rule. Most of the time, they're just going to be little brats. Because they got all... Boy, I can't make you laugh tonight. They got all your genes in them, right? Yeah. They're little unconverted versions of yourself. That's why, excuse me for saying this, that's why we, we love it when they do something good. Right? We just love it when they do something good because most of the time they don't. <laughs> right? Now, so the idea is to bring the child up according to its bent or tie the tree to a stake to make it go straight. You see a tree, some trees 
almost straight, but you still correct it. So you correct it a certain amount, right? And some grow up like this. And it takes a lot more correction and pulling, and you're just constantly pulling. You're tying it. And, but you've got to do it in such a way that will acknowledge the way that the, the child is already bent and make sure that you bring it back to the Word. So now uh, Paul puts it this way in the New Testament. He said, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, don't grab a hold of them and pull them back so severely that they, they, all you do is make them mad. But Branham says sometimes all we do is beat the devil into our children. Right? And, and the Bible says to use a rod. It does say that. I could get in trouble for saying that on the Internet today. They call that child abuse. But the Bible says spare the rod and spoil the child. But yet you could do that so much that you actually just beat the devil into a child. Right, because maybe it doesn't need that. Maybe it needs some, some spiritual help and some prayer. And so you've got to bring them up, the Bible says, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So a more sensitive child, the mother will tend to, to, tend to uh, look towards that one or maybe a child with special needs because that's the nature of a mother. A father will look more towards that one who's able to do things and, and able to hunt and able to fish and able to do the things like that. And that's just natural, but you've got to be careful with that. And I believe the Holy Ghost can make us better at raising our kids. You believe that? Yeah. I believe it will do that. Now, uh, he, Brother Brown says, oh, he said, your family is what you are. Right. Now, that's a scary thought. He said, you raise your child in a certain environment. It's got a 98% better chance. Now, he didn't say 100% because sometimes, like I said, the tree is just bent so severely. Because maybe genes that pass through you, pass through your generation, express themselves in that child. And it just it becomes a wild, a, a, a child that's gone crazy, it seems like. But yet you have a promise, God will bring it back. You still, you don't just give up on it. You still try to bring it back and, and raise it in the right kind of, a, of an environment as long as you have control over that. So now, he said it's got a 98% better chance to go right than it has if you bring it up in the wrong way. Bring up a child in the way it should go, and when it's old, it will not depart from it. Be brought up right. He said, teach your children to do right, to be honest, to be square and fair, even when they're in school. Uh, you know, God would motivate a, a prophet to take time in the message that we have. When he told us about the deity of Christ and all these wonderful things, and then he would motivate that same prophet to say, make sure your kids don't cheat in school. Right? Motivate them. And what he tells you to do, if you go on in that quote, he said, pray for them. Yeah. If they've got a test at school or something coming up, pray with them. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my. And having a homeschool doesn't give you an excuse to not pray for your children either. Yeah. Right? Homeschool doesn't cure everything. Yeah. Right? And, and, and uh, you know that. You all know that. And many of our kids go to public school. But whether they go to public school or homeschool, they're going to have to fight battles. And we still need to pray for our children and pray with our children. Yeah. Now, Brother Branham says, look at this little story right here. Now, he's reading the story of Elisha, and he comes to the part about the bear. You remember the story where Elisha comes out? It's a scary story. There's another one for you to look up. It's kind of a scary story because Elisha goes out, and, and some children come out and mock him. Yeah. Say, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And Elisha comes out and, and rebukes him. He gets in the flesh. Yeah. Brandon said it was not the Spirit of Christ, That's right. but he gets in the flesh. Remember, again, even prophets in the Old Testament did not have the Holy Ghost a token the way we do, right? right? So now he gets in the flesh, and he, and he speaks that, and then he, 
uh, then the she-bear, God honors the prophet. Yeah. And the she-bear comes out of the wilderness and eats those children. Yeah. Well, there's a scary thing. Don't, don't laugh at the preacher now. <laughs> I'm getting some, some big eyes here on the front row. Huh? A bear did literally come out of the wilderness and ate these kids. But look, they've been raised wrong. Aren't you glad you're raised right? I said, Dad, I'm so thankful for all those whippings I got because, huh? Mom, I'm so thankful for all the times you corrected me because I've never been eaten by a bear. true so now brother Branham said he said look between the lines he said look at these little children going out making fun of this preacher that was bald-headed my goodness I could stop and stay there for a while <laughs> he said look what they said to him go up thou bald head like Elijah but look what they were making fun of it wasn't just his bald head they were making fun of the supernatural right. yeah, he said, oh, that's a dangerous thing to do right. he said won't you he said they didn't believe that Elijah went up they doubted it their priest and them had told them, perhaps. Right. Oh, he didn't go up. It's just some fanaticism. And that guy's supposed to be anointed with the same anointing that he was anointed. Oh, it's nonsense. Tell him to go up. Yeah. And here went the little kids. Right. Little innocent children. But they'd been brought up wrong. Yeah. Right. He said, bring up a child in the way that it should go. And here they went down because the parents didn't believe it. And how can you expect your children to go to Sunday school and serve the Lord when you yourself don't even go? How can you expect your children to be something when you're nothing? That's, right. that's a harsh statement. He said, but that's a little sassy about it. He said, I don't mean it that way. He said, but he had me say it. Yeah. He said, all right. He said, but I didn't mean you wasn't nothing. I mean, when you, knew, when you know that you make no profession, how can you expect your children to be righteous yeah. when you're putting such an example before them? Right. How can they do it? How can you do it? He said, you're the best example that they have. They're going to look to you when they won't look for no one else. Because your nature is in them. Oh, if we could only realize that. They're going to look to you when they won't look for no one else because your nature is in them. He, now, he takes this now to Satan. He said, like Satan, he knows a whole lot about human beings. He said to God, to Job, he said, what would a man give for his skin? Sure, he knows something about human nature. He helped pervert it. He knows he had a hand in it. He knows a whole lot about it. He still knows what to do to cause people to fall. He knows human nature. Yeah. He knows human nature. He knows how to catch you. Yeah. And you can look around all you want to and say, well, somebody else, so-and-so, they fell. They did this or that. But he knows how to get you. Yeah. Right. And that's just the truth of it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Because the devil knows how to get you. Right? He knows all about you. He knows human nature. He knows he'd been, he'd been studying it for thousands of years. Right. He knows how to catch you in it, too. And he's awake day and night. He's, he's going about like a roaring lion, devouring what he will. Certainly he is. So there he knows just how to do that. But God turned around in Elisha. He cursed those children. And 42 of them was killed by bears that ran out of the woods, killed 42 of the children because they were disobedient and had been raised in the wrong kind of a home. Aren't you glad for a right kind of a home? Yeah. Huh? Had been raised in the wrong kind of a home. Amen. He said in the wrong schooling to make fun of God's prophet instead of respecting God's prophet. Listen, if the only thing my parents taught me was to respect this message, that was something. Yes. Right? They did teach me that. Yeah. Right? And so I was never eaten by a bear. <laughs> and you teach them disrespect. 
And, and they'll have the opposite problem. Try right. they'll 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 get eaten, as we would say, maybe not in the natural sense today, but they'll be eaten up by the world. And they're taught to disrespect ministry, and they're taught to disrespect especially the supernatural. And now, he said Isaac was raised as a. Now, uh, let me go back there. He said uh, to make fun of God's prophet instead of respecting God's prophet. He said, I tell you, as you respect God's servants, you respect God. As you respect Christ, you respect God. So, and then he goes into the supernatural, how that you respect what God does. Now, Isaac was raised as an only child. And, and I say that because the others were born later. Ishmael was expelled. Isaac was Abraham's favorite. Obviously, he was the promised son. Right? If you go around and if you went around that home, you knew who the promised son was. Right? And, and he made sure, Sarah made sure that everybody knew and everybody who thought any different was kicked out. So now, and he was a good child, but he was raised up that way. And Jacob was his mother's favorite. Benjamin and Joseph were Jacob's favorites. Look how it goes on down through the channel. And, and then you can go even back further and go back to Abraham and see how the good and the bad from Abraham come right down through the family line. Right? He taught them. The Bible says, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. He will command his children and his household after him, that he shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. The Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God speaks out about Abraham, and it comes out, and Isaac comes out, and Jacob. They all serve the Lord. Right? right? They don't go after other gods. Yeah. They serve the Lord. But at the same time, they make some of the same mistakes that he did. Isaac makes the literal same mistake after his daddy made it twice. Yeah, Going down and lying about his wife. What a strange mistake to make, but it ran in the family. Right, he lies about his wife because, now watch, here, and are you still with me tonight? I just got a few more minutes. See, there's a gene in Abraham that was weak, fearful. So let's say that was a fear gene in Abraham, just in his flesh. He was afraid. Now, he wasn't afraid in faith. He wasn't a fearful in faith. But there was something inside of him, something in his body, rather, that, that, that would make him afraid. And so he went up into Egypt, and he went to the king of Abimelech, and he went up there and he thought, well, my goodness, these people are going to kill me to get her because Sarah's beautiful. And he thought a lot of his wife, didn't he? But it actually happened, or pretty near happened like he thought. Sometimes what you fear will come upon you. But that gene of fear come down in his own, in his family. He couldn't get away from it. And, and yet now he does it. And, and God punishes the, the household there and causes him problems. He was backslid. He goes back. And guess what happens later? He does the same thing again. He's done it twice. I'm sure he told Isaac the story. Don't do that. And Isaac comes back later and gets in the same situation and that gene expresses itself. Right, in that same situation. You, you know that in a lesser way, right? Because maybe you're a person that talks a lot when you get in the corner, right? You get, in, you get stressed out and you start talking, or maybe you're a person that clams up when you talk a lot, or when you, rather when you get in the corner. If you're a person, maybe your dad may have done that, you watch it and you said, I won't be like that, but you get in that same situation, you do the same thing. All right, them genes pass themselves on. Along with what you're taught. I could talk about Brother Harvey and his water bottles now, but we won't get those genes pass along from generation to generation, right? 
now, but it's something that we carry with us. So you've got to watch that. Right? If you know that it's in your family, you've got to watch that. So now uh, Abraham backs in Egypt. I, Isaac did the same thing. Now Benjamin is born. And I just wanted to lay a great big foundation for this, and we'll get it maybe the week after next when I get back, the Lord willing. But Benjamin is born when Jacob is backslid. And, but he's had a great experience with God. He's wrestled with an angel. He's been to Bethel. He's been face to face with God. He's seen angels coming down out of the heavens. He's, he's wrestled with, the, with God in, in an incarnate body form. Yeah. I mean, Jacob's seen some supernatural things. But he, here he is, he backslides. And you see that's the pattern of his life. Jacob never breaks the family curse. Right. He just keeps backsliding. He journeys away from Bethel. And he comes after this great experience with God. And, and, and you realize now it's never, they always had a reason for leaving Canaan. If you go to Abraham's family, they were always leaving Canaan. And they always had a reason. There was always a famine or there was something going on in the church. Are you with me now? Yes. There's always a reason to leave. Yes, sir. But every time they left, they backslid. See, when it comes to spiritual things, the end never justifies the means. You do the right thing in the right way so that your children know what the right way is. And you'll find that even in, even in Ruth later on in Naomi. You'll find that they did the same thing. They let Naomi's family left. Now look. Every time Abraham left Canaan, he had a good excuse. Every time Jacob left Bethlehem, he had a good excuse. Naomi's husband left Israel, he had a good excuse. But it still resulted in the loss of his sons. Jacob was constantly backsliding. You'll find it, it says he journeyed from Bethel. He journeyed from Bethel. He'd have an experience with God, and he'd, he'd journey away. Oh, how many times have we done that in the flesh? Right? But there's something that keeps holding me. Amen. What is that? The Holy Ghost, the life of Christ. He was always backsliding. But I want you to notice tonight before we close, there had to come someone who would break that cycle. And here you find that favoritism run down through the family until finally it got down into Joseph. Benjamin doesn't break the cycle until literally thousands of years later. Oh, my. (laughs) Amen. Because Paul finally breaks it. Think about it. Every one of them acted the same way, and Paul finally breaks it. But now, here there would be, a, in, this, in this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in this family line, there would be someone who would break that. And it wouldn't be Jacob, but it was Joseph. Yeah. Joseph broke it. Yeah. He was a favorite. Yes, he was raised that way. Right. <laughs> Amen. But he goes down to Egypt. Yes, Hallelujah. Jacob was always backsliding. But, but here, Joseph served the Lord in Egypt. It took Joseph, who was a type of Christ, because Jacob kept trusting the arm of flesh and his own ability to get things done. But Joseph, a type of Christ, breaks the cycle. He becomes the prince of Egypt, which is a type of sin, and overcomes sin in Egypt. Don't you see that's who we have inside of us? No wonder he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Joseph breaks the the type. Or he breaks, rather, the cycle and becomes the type of Christ. To where he's almost perfect. Brother Branham said the only reason he wasn't is because to show it wasn't him. <laughs> Amen. Because finally Christ is the one who breaks it. Right. Amen. In the line of Judah. But now watch. 
we have to overcome sin in Egypt. Huh? That's our type, too. He come to be the firstborn among many brethren. How many believe that tonight? Among many brethren. And so Romans 7, 21, Paul says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And that body was a, a body, like a, the, the illusion is to a dead body that they would strap to a living man yeah. right. with chains that couldn't be broken until the rottenness from the body actually yeah. crept into the life of the living man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes, he said, I want to do right, but I can't do right because I, I'm, a, I'm a wretched man. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? If he doesn't stop there, though, I'm so glad that the next verse is there. I'm so glad for Romans 7.25. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Joseph breaks the cycle. Amen. Hallelujah. He breaks the cycle. Jesus broke the cycle. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And he doesn't stop there either. But he goes on into Romans chapter 8, and you remember the way the letter was written. It was a letter that wasn't broken up into chapters like we have it today. It's just to make it easier to find. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now, because he broke the cycle, because, amen, because Jesus Christ our Lord lived without sin in Egypt. Are you with me now? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, when you follow that example, when you walk according to the Spirit, you walk in freedom. Yeah. And you break the cycle that has a hold over your family. Right. Hallelujah. I believe I'm looking at some people that have broken that tonight. Yes. I told uh, some people here not long ago, I said, you're going to have a difference because it's generations. Sometimes the cycle was broken and generations ago for some of you. For some of us, it was our generation. Yeah. But somebody's got to do it. Because the previous generation didn't break it doesn't mean it gives you an excuse to not break it. Break the cycle. Make it better for your kids. If the Lord gives you kids, make it better in your own life. Amen. You say, well, I can't do that. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, it's still there. You'll always carry it. But you can have control over it instead of it having control over you. I love this. He said, for the law... Of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. It tried to do it by fleshly means. It tried to do it by self-help, by psychology. It couldn't do it. But God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Condemned sin in the flesh. In Egypt. Hallelujah. In a body, just like yours and mine. Yeah. Are you with me now? He condemned sin in the flesh. In a body built like ours where he could have sinned, but yet he was crying. He, he realized he, he was not going to. God wasn't going to let him. He wasn't going to do it because of who he was. Right. But he had, the, he had the, all the potential. Brother Branham said he was tempted with, the Bible says he was tempted in all like points like we are. Brother Branham said he was tempted with women. But he didn't sin. Yeah. Never gave in to the thought. Oh, I thank God for a Savior like that. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, we don't have to either. Yeah. 
But if a man sin, he has an advocate, a perfect advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. But he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Musicians, go ahead and come. Sorry, I've had a little problem with my voice tonight, and I maybe couldn't preach this the way I wanted to, but I hope you, hope you understood it. I, uh, that old man pops up every now and then, doesn't he? <laughs> I, yesterday, I tell my story. Y'all can tell yours later. I got the pulpit. Yesterday, I uh, went to get... Or I was at home, and I thought, well, I'm going to save money on gas. I'm going to study from home, which I do a lot more now. And we've got the ability to do that. I've got a little office set up there. So I was going to study from home. And we have two dogs. My daughter has two dogs. <laughs> and, and I got up in a little bit of a bad mood anyway, you know. And, and because that's just something my family does. And uh, we just do that. Joel's got that in him, too. May not have expressed itself yet, but... But you just, you know, sometimes you just wake up in a bad mood. And, and I know that's not just in my family. But, but you know, and, and I was in a certain mood. And I walked in there and to study. And those, that dog, that younger dog, man, he just barked outside my door. Bark, bark, bark. And he wouldn't quit. She couldn't. She spanked him. She, tried to, she couldn't get him to quit. And I finally just got up and I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to the church. And I, I stomped out of the house. And I, I got in my truck and I headed to Ash Flat because I had that marriage license. So I said, well, I got to take that marriage license anyway. So I took it to Ash Flat and recorded the marriage license for, the, for them. So now they're married. If they would, for some reason, be watching tonight or watch it later, they, uh, I'm assuming that they're not. But, but if they, if, Gabe, if you watch this later, you, you are legal now. And we uh, took the marriage license up there, and I got so convicted because I begin to think, that's something my dad would have done. Just leave the house. Stomp off. <laughs> I can't do that. And I'm about to study on this. I'd had these thoughts running through my mind. I thought, my goodness, I can't do that. I walked back. And I thought, what can I do? And I saw a coffee place. I hate buying expensive drinks. But I went up there and bought my wife a drink I knew she would like. And <laughs> drove all the way back to my house and honked at the door. And she'd come out and got it. I just want to know you, let you know I wasn't mad at you. I don't want to be like my dad in that way. You understand? But that's in us. That's that body of death. But just the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because that's the thing inside of you that tells you don't do that. See, and as we yield ourselves to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we begin to act like Christ. We begin to break the cycles. We begin to live in Egypt, but not of Egypt. We become the king of it. Yes. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I, I don't know how to say it in a way that maybe the people would understand, but Lord, I, I want them to know that every one of them have the potential to break a cycle. Maybe it's already been done in their families, but yet they have to be like Paul. Broke that cycle of Benjamin. That cycle of, of a wolf, a ravening wolf. Even though earlier in his life he, it had been expressed in his life, in his, in his walk. 
but he broke it one day. No wonder he could write about who shall deliver me from the body of this death. He knew who he was named after and how Saul had failed. But he broke that cycle and yet he said, I keep under my body. Bring it in subjection. Even after I have the Holy Ghost, I, I, I keep working on it. I keep sanctification in my life. I keep listening to the right things and, and going to church and, and, and giving in to the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. Oh God, would you help us to be the same way tonight? Lord, we don't want to ever slip back into what we used to be. We don't want to become, Lord, just a, a, a juxtaposition of our families, just a, a, a strange brew of, of our mothers and our fathers expressed in genes in our life. But, Lord, may we be more than that. May the genes that are expressed, Lord, be love and joy and peace, the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, which don't come from a natural genealogy, but from a spiritual gene seed on the inside, awakened by the Holy Spirit. May it be so in our lives today. Lord, I pray you would forgive us where we've expressed the wrong things. Lord, help us to express the right thing and to do the right thing. Walk with you all the rest of our life. I pray that you grant that now. We love you. We thank you for doing it. We thank you for this church, Lord, where we see, Lord, so many cycles that have been broken. May you continue to do that, Lord. May you continue to work in, in a mighty way. Pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. overcome sin in Egypt for me. Amen. So I can be an overcomer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give him all the love he gave you. Hold on. Thank you, Lord. Turn away from sin and hold on to Never disconnected. Oh. 
Oh 